Do I need to do more la la las? Oh, maybe. Right down again. La 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 la. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG Fan Music Podcast. I'm your host and RPG Fan Editor-in-Chief, Mike Salvato. And I have three panelists with me today, and we're really excited about this episode because um, this is a topic that we've been planning on doing for quite a while now. And I feel like I say that a lot, but that's because we have a lot of topics that we've been trying to do for quite a while. Um, so the first person joining me today is Hillary Andriff. Hello, everyone. And along with me and Hillary, we have Alana Hags. You're almost forgetting who I was then. Who <laughs> were like, who else is here? But... Hey, everyone. I would never forget any of you. Um, and then that other chuckle you just heard is Zach Wilkerson. Why, hello there. He is, hello in fact, there. An entire, he is, in fact, an entire person, not just a chuckle. But I do chuckle a lot, so it makes sense. Well, only, be, only when you're around, you know, interesting and amusing people, right? That's true. So what is our interesting and exciting topic for today? Our, our interesting and exciting topic is probably clear from the title of the episode. Although, again, as usual, we don't actually have the official title. But somewhere in there, it will mention Final Fantasy XIV. Not that we haven't featured a handful of Final Fantasy XIV songs, like, you know, often throughout the years on Rhythm. But, you know, it's kind of the case like we had with the Nier episode, where there was a lot of movement in Final Fantasy XIV music in the several years when we didn't have Rhythm Encounter episodes. So we thought we pretty much needed at least one, one episode to kind of catch up on a lot of the stuff we missed. Right, we've got at least two expansions. Two, two expansions since then. So we thought it would be a good time to do some 14 things. And we have, actually, I don't even know how many people on staff we have now that play 14. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's more and more, like, every every week. It's got to <laughs> be, like, half. Oh, yeah. It's a lot now. It used to be, you know, four or five, six people that played regularly. And now, every once in a while there's another staff member who's like hey i just started this game and then two weeks later hey i'm level 60. but see like even then like if we limited it to just the people that like really like push and promote this game like it's still even more than us like caitlin caitlin does all the reviews now mm -hmm. anyway yeah there's a, there's a lot all right i gotta so, so losi feels that way but he he plays it in like weird spurts yeah he'll be like i i just played seven straight days in a row without sleeping and now I'm, now I'm caught up again, so I'll play again in a year. <laughs> Which is impressive. Like, I'm not making fun of him. And then there's me, who I don't I don't think I count as a full promoter, because I have just been in Heaven's Word forever, because I haven't had enough time to play. You do count still. You do count. You absolutely. You have a lot of passion for other things about the game, and that still absolutely counts. So. And you're still in the best expansion, so it's you know, more fun for you. <laughs> oh, there we go. Mm. In my that's not a, very humble opinion. <laughs> it's not that spicy of a take. It's it's my second favorite. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not a spicy take at all. They're very the, the two best expansions are almost <laughs> level level, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like at the top of the list is the all the quests between uh two point oh and two point five. <laughs> hey, I, I did those. They were miserable. And you did like the revised ones as well, didn't you? So no, I did. No, no. Oh. We're still 
Did I? No, she I, didn't. I, no. Oh, didn't. shoot. Right. It was right before. They, right after Hillary got past all that part. It, when <laughs> They're they, like, hey, when they updated kidding. it. We're condensing <laughs> When this. they cut out a third of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I guess I'm just saying, like, so many people have been so excited about Shadowbringers. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. We will get to that soon, actually. So let's... Uh, Let's get into some music here. So our first song here actually is one of yours, Alana. So what are we starting with? It is, yeah. So we're starting with a piece of music from Stormblood. We are starting with Beyond the Wall, which is the theme, the day theme for the Fringes. And this is composed by Masayoshi Soken. Good choice. Not one of my expected choices. I'm actually surprised you picked it, but I like it. Um, so after after Beyond the Wall, um, I brought a song from later on in Shadowbringers called Full Fathom 5, which is one of many Shakespearean references in Shadowbringers that I'm sure Hillary is going to really want to talk about. So yeah, (laughs) let's go listen to Beyond the Wall and Full Fathom 5.
right, so I think Stormblood is probably one of the lesser represented um, expansions in terms of music, but I think it has a lot of really great songs, and there are a lot of really obvious strong choices that use revolutions as a backdrop, and there's one even today that we'll talk about that uses that in some context. But Beyond the Wall is probably a bit more of a personal pick on my part. Um, like, I I don't like to give too much context or background, but I think it might be worth it in this case. Um, like, because I took such a long break between 14, so I unsubbed in 2017 and came back in 2021, there was a four-year gap between me coming to a new area in the um, MMO. So, like, the first new area I got to after four years was the Fringes, or Castramorians. Um, and I remember... Like, it's not the first new piece of music I heard, because obviously I had, like, all of the 3.3, 4, and 5 content to do. But I remember very specifically, this was the very first, like, time I came into an area where the music really hit me. And it was, like, coming out of Castramorians and having the plucking of the guitar and the viola just slowly coming in. I remember standing at the gate of Castramorian, right, looking out to the fringes with the trees and, like... It's it's like it's like Redania and Thanalan are like bleeding out slightly into Alamigo or the Alamegan territories and like drying up. So you've got like this very empty war-torn area with this extremely sad plucking plucked guitar and this very mournful viola sound. And I had to like I, I do this frequently anyway when I play games with like open worlds and things like that, but I just had to stop and kind of soak it in. So that's kind of like why I picked it, because I think it's a very important song for me in terms of like my 14 journey. But I think it's also a really beautiful, really solemn song as well. Um I think in general, and I think a lot of today's picks, um, so this is quite nice that it's first, is a lot of the picks we've got today and a lot of the music in 14 does mournful and reflective very well. Those are my like favourite pieces of music consistently throughout these expansions. Um, and I think that especially the overworld themes capture history really well. So like I think this mix of like guitar and viola really capture a real sense of serenity but also somberness and when you like walk through the fringes because it's very lush very green very brown very autumnal and then you come out into this like drier area with desert and you've got like pieces of magitech shattered you've got like craters where there was a war um you've got this like leftover like leftover remnants of some of the alamegan areas because really you've only got ralgal's reach and a couple of like settlements um you can tell that like this is kind of the last stand of the alamegans um and you can tell that with the music as well i think i just think that especially around the middle of the song where the piano comes in it just adds on that reflection and that like sense of like you're in a brand new area and you suddenly like You've already got like a sense of Alamigo anyway because of the um, 2.0 patches and um, the story around there. Um, but then you've got this like moment where you get the chance to reflect as you hear the piano play and you're just standing out probably in the desert area at this point. Like, oh my goodness, like all of this stuff you've been hearing about for patches and patches on end you're now in there and you now have that full impact of it tied together with the music. And it was just like mixed in with like my history with the game and like everything that I've like been through with it. It was a real moment of like, oh my goodness. Like it felt like I'd reached somewhere very pivotal. And I, I think like 
unfortunately, like the Alamegan areas, I think, aren't as impactful as like a lot of the um, Doman areas, um, certainly in Stormblood. But like this piece of music just makes me feel very peaceful in a very like solemn way, which a lot of my favorite music tends to be like, it's very like, oh my gosh, like you just have to kind of take it in and really slow down, but not in a way that's like relaxing, but in a way that I'm like, okay, pace yourself a little bit and like slow down. I think you use the term reflect. I think that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, like the way that in particular, if you listen to it off the album, like the song ends pretty suddenly with just like one real strum of the guitar. And it's like, that's the moment where you're like, this is what I need to do. Like you suddenly, not that you don't ever get the impact of what Alamigo has been through until that point, but that last strum on the song is like everything coming together and like, okay, I've done my thinking. Now I need to do something. And then the right. song obviously loops. So, And I think that's a really good point because you've been hearing about Alamigo. It factors in as early as, you know, some of the ARR patches mm-hmm. pretty prominently. And then you finally, it's kind of like you are, you're finally getting there, you're processing it. <laughs> and then Stromblo is, is where you have to act. Mm-hmm. I think one kind of little Easter eggy thing that I noticed about it that I really want to mention quickly, if that's okay, is that there are some chords, like as the song kind of swells to its loudest point under the, I think under the viola, um, that sound like the accompaniment in the song Dark World from FF6, just sort of like a do, do, mm-hmm. do, 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 do. And I thought that was a really cool throwback. Wow. That's, yeah, I didn't catch that at all. I didn't, but it absolutely makes sense given some of the other musical references in Stormblood. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at that at all. That's a really good spot. Yeah. Well, speaking of everyone, Magitek armor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sitting here looking at my notes, and you guys both said all the smart things I was going to say. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> no, that's always um, the risk, huh? Right, it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, maybe you said this before recording, Mike, or I don't know if it was during recording. Like, it's not a, a track that I would have expected. And, it, it, and I feel like it's been like over a year since I've really spent a lot of time in that area. And just the way that it captures um, sort of like the calm openness of the area and like sort of the calmness of the area, but also sort of the somberness of the situation of Alamigo. Is, is amazing um, but yeah I like I like the way they flip between piano and viola mm-hmm. and like the guitar almost becomes like more rhythmic so it still has like a little bit of a press and a push like Alana was talking about but yeah you still want me notes Alana how dare you <laughs> <laughs> I have some notes that maybe we didn't cover yet although it was a little bit uh, expanding on what Alana said about Stormblood although I was going to comment on Stormblood in general like I, I feel like it I don't remember how people felt about Stormblood when it came out. I know after Shadowbringers, Stormblood, I think, got pushed down on the list in terms of, like, people's favorite things. Um, I still like Stormblood. Not as much as the others, but it's still weird. Like, I guess in my mind, when you say, like, well, this is maybe the weakest part of 14, it's still better than a lot of other games I've played. Mm-hmm. But we don't really need to rehash that, which is funny because I wrote out half my notes about that topic. Um, what I did like, though... Uh, what you said, Alana, I, I never even considered it because I like the feel of this song and and kind of the sort of relaxing and, and I forgot what you said, not tension, but it it's interesting. It's interesting, the emotions that go through this song, but I especially like how it sounds in the first part of the area because the first part of the zone, most of the time, your time is spent in the forest area. And it, I don't think it really sunk in until you commented on that, how this part of the area is Gridania, the forest, like 
blending into the other areas because I, I like it. I like that they have different parts of the fringes have different feels and stuff, but it didn't really occur to me. I don't think you see enough of that in RPGs and like zones, like transitions in general, because usually it's like, OK, I'm in the forest and then you walk through like, you know, a gate or something. And now it's just instantly desert. I like that you're in this new area, but it's like, it's more of a natural transition between the forest and the areas around it. Realistic ecosystem. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the only other areas I can think of that in is like weirdly like, well, I guess like the hub areas work, but like um, Lakeland and the Crystarium where you've got like purple trees inside the Crystarium. It's like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, you can tell this is where this is, but that's really the only other area I can think of, especially because like Shadowbringers areas are a lot more segmented um, than... Yeah. The rest of the game but yeah i thought that was a really cool thing about um i think it's like maybe one of the only areas i can think of in shadow in the whole of 14 actually that really does that so i think it's lovely i think the, the last really quick thing to mention and we'll get into this with the next song as well but hmm. i'm just every time i hear kind of a, a map area theme from 14 i'm just kind of in awe of the simple melodies that just work so well because they're evocative enough but they're also you know, make they're a good enough accompaniment for your journey because you spend a lot of time in these zones so it's kind of amazing how they evoke the proper amount of emotion while still being able to be background while you're spending a lot of time in these places maybe leveling right mm -hmm. yeah it's just really impressive mm -hmm. and okay actually i will i will say one more thing about stormblood in that sense, because you're talking about areas and traversing, I think that's one thing that Stormblood did improve, actually, upon Heaven's Word, is the design of those areas. And and maybe maybe some of the songs. Like, I don't mind any of this music in Heaven's Word, but just the zone, all the open world field music in Stormblood, like, every single one I really, really like. Like, I was often, like, would stop and, like, wow, this is, this is another great one. Um, on top of the fact that the zones, I think, were just better designed for flying, and it didn't—they didn't feel like so gated. So I, I had more—I think I had a better time getting around some of them, especially compared to things like Sea of Clouds. Oh but, God, yeah, Sea yeah. of Clouds. Yeah, I mean, unlocking the flight is a totally different story in Stormblood. I think some of those areas are pretty terrible to Giribania? do that. Giravania, oh. Giravania. Um, the—is it the locks? Locks. That's yeah, what I was thinking it's of. the yeah, locks. Yeah, is oh. awful. I made—I made someone here like ferry me around. <laughs> just to unlock all of it um right so. that's the way to do it sometimes mm -hmm. it is the way to do it yeah but like yeah i think the, the heaven's ward areas not to go back to that but like I, I don't think any of the overworld themes quite match up to the dravania music like um painted mm. skies and painted foothills are like two of my favorite songs still yeah. of all time on this on these music but yeah 14 has incredible overworld music and mike you have basically picked maybe my favorite area music <laughs> so it is excellent mm -hmm. wait i did you did yeah this is a transition she's, she's, she's giving you a transition oh. <laughs> take it take it take beautiful it. beautiful i am taking it i am taking it excellent yes all right so full fathom five um i'm probably the one here who got the references the least but I'll, I'll let all of you talk about the literary references to this title. Um, but I, I, had, I had a bit of a hard time picking this one because this song, and there's a couple songs around it on the album and, of course, in the game that are that I was going back and forth on so much. Like, So Full Fathom 5 is the daytime theme for The Tempest, which is the final zone in Shadowbringers. And then there's the nighttime theme, which is also really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I... I 
wish I had some like really like poignant reason why I picked this over the other, but I, I don't. It was it was really like I had to pick one of these two. But um, I, I'd really like outside of this song by itself, I do really like how this the instrumentation and the melody of this song influences the nighttime theme, but also the the dungeon theme that comes up later. Like it's all so cohesive, everything in this area musically, and it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing that dungeon theme will come up in a future episode too. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it comes up in another song we've got today. So you yeah, know. true. <laughs> Yeah, but Mortal Instance is amazing, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say, like, I think that, um, I mean, not to get into, like, too many, like, sort of direct story references, for those of you who haven't finished Shadowbringers yet, um, but I like the way this song sort of feels in reference to, like, what you're around. Um, so, like, the, the guitar, and I had to look this up, it looks like they're playing a vibraphone um, in the background, sort of, like, it, so, like, the guitar is, like, playing around with, like, a vibraphone sort of in the background. Um, and, like, it it feels like it's building to something in this daytime version, like, over and over again. Like, I feel like it kind of consistently, like, the vibraphone and the guitar, like, are feeling like they're building towards something, and then they can't, it can't quite get there. Mm-hmm. Then it resolves before it goes over the top, and then it does it over and over and over again. And I think that that is, to me, given the events that happen in that space um really interesting (laughs) um you know based on the things we learn and also the things we learn sort of throughout the rest of shadowbringers up through 5.3 um makes the song really interesting but and i think like sort of the mournful quality that you were talking about um i think is really interesting as well Ooh, that's good insight i like that see i'm glad i let you go (laughs) it's really cool to see that because musically kind of using that delayed resolution or you know incomplete resolution is a really good way to time music and story together and it's great to see that used so effectively in a final area um i have some notes about that as well and i think one other thing i said just kind of the way that resolution kind of sort of happens but doesn't it kind of feels like you're going around to all these places going around to all these corners seeing what's around the corners you're trying it's like you're trying to discover something important in this underwater world that is very astute for someone who hasn't played this area <laughs> yeah yeah i'm Perfect. really impressed about that actually <laughs> so well i guess that just shows how well conveyed that is musically uh yeah exactly. yeah it does <laughs> but another little thing okay i noticed some finger snap sounds um in the background <laughs> and i got curious so i kind of looked into that a little bit without trying to oh no spoil myself and i didn't i learned that it, it is sort of probably a, a callback to emmett silk yes correct correct that's all i found out so don't worry yeah <laughs> um but that's also again a really cool way to take kind of a non-musical sound and tie it directly back into the to the story yep yeah put it in the music that's something i wish i had realized before today so that that was a fun little thing that i learned so thank you <laughs> Are we going Shakespeare yet, or? <laughs> I want to. I want to. Do you want to? I mean, yeah, whoever. I know. I know Hillary has thoughts. Go for it. Okay, I'll I'll start us off with a quick explanation. So the song's title is Full Fathom Five, which is the beginning of a song that shows up in the play The Tempest, and basically the context of the song is that Ariel, the air spirit, is leading some shipwrecked guys around the island one of whom is concerned about the fate of his father after the shipwrecked, the, the shipwrecked on the shore. Um, and he, he, does, he isn't quite sure what happened, and Ariel kind of actually shows him that his dad was drowned, and basically the, the song says, you know, full fathom five, thy father lies, talks about his bones being coral, 
pearl, his eyes being pearls, and that you know he he's just transformed into something rich and strange under the water. So it kind of talks about really kind of a transformation after after death. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, like one thing I picked out from the like I, I guess it's not really a, it's a song, isn't it? Um, in that song, like it does four ding, like four bell chimes or four ding dongs. I guess it does two, but um, in the song itself in Shadowbringers um, about one minute three and it happens throughout the song and it happens throughout every rendition when the vibraphone comes in it does four beats exactly the same so it does do 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 like that like four rings and I'm like oh that's very good but yeah like um, I think it's very very interesting because like to me like the song I think it's interesting that it's paired with the two overworld themes here we've both kind of picked Mike two songs that use a guitar that's being plucked in a slower way mm-hmm. like every note is drawn out and I think with this one in particular while with Beyond the Wall you've got like you know history reflection and you've got that here as well but like given the context again of the situation like you're being you're going to the bottom of the ocean it feels like I'm sinking as I'm listening to this mm-hmm. to me like it's very yeah. drawn out looking back up at you know to the surface or something it's like <laughs> The thing is, is like Neath Dark Waters, which is, um, we've been calling them day and night themes. Interestingly, they're not really day and night themes here. It's the theme for the Tempest and the theme for the city Amarok. Oh, shoot, you're right. right. Yeah, Yeah. so um, the theme for the Tempest, I think Amarok is like, you know, after like a storm, you just like, it's like the total calm after the storm, like the absolute silence. Um, Whereas this is like just in the aftermath, so it's still going. Like, there's still some kind of swirl of emotion or swirl of, I don't know, any kind of water. I'm just trying to make a really smart analogy and not sounding really smart. But, like, um, it's like it's as the storm is slowing down and your body is, like, floating to the bottom of the ocean. It's heavy and sad and it's it's not too slow. And I think, like, again, like, a lot of the sombre music here that we've picked out is, like, it's slow enough to just feel like, you know, it's not like sad piano music. Um, so it does like something very different with music to make you feel those kinds of emotions. Um, and at this point as well, like, cause it's the very last area you meet, go to in Shadowbringers. Like at this point, you are at a point of hopelessness. Like so much has happened. Like you've tried to do all of this stuff and it's backfired. You've lost a friend cause they've been taken away. You're trying to resolve everything cause you've got to go and confront somebody. And also, you're in a bad situation as well like your character in the vaguest sense so it's like you know there's just all of this coming together it's like this perfect storm of emotion is like swelling up and this is like that song like building up to it and like Zach was saying like it's building up but it can't quite get there it will get there as it carries through throughout the rest of the expansion um but yeah, it's a really incredible piece. And the Tempest is like one of my favorite areas. It's probably my, maybe my favorite area. Maybe. Um, I just like, I like sad water places. That's just me. <laughs> so. um, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I, I wrote too many notes about this. So I'm going to, I'm going to condense it a little bit, but I think one of the things I like about it, and this is both the game and the music, but as far as like, final areas in RPGs like it, it on the surface oh, is that a pun it's almost <laughs> a pun um, it, it feels it looks like the least like what you expect like Mordona and especially Azislaw like Azislaw is like classic like crazy like a final area in, in an RPG um, and this one is just it's so if you 
put aside the emotional weight and everything you talked about for a minute. Like it's just calm and it's peaceful. Um, and of course, you can't really put that aside when you're playing. So it's it's calm and peaceful mixed with like all the stuff Tension. that you're <laughs> that you're like having to bear. Um, mm. But I, I, it's just so fascinating to me as like a final area because I was not expecting it to be something mm -hmm. like this. It's just an, a really interesting setting for how it's used. And you're not alone in that. I noticed like just kind of looking at people commenting on the music, at least like probably 75% of them were like, I wasn't expecting this, but you know, I'm really feeling it yeah. because of what happened in the game. Or I didn't like this because it's not a crazy epic area, but then I went back after I finished the game and I really like this music now. It is a crazy epic area, just in a different way than yes. you usually expect. It yeah. is. I mean, especially the Southern area is pretty crazy and epic. Yeah. One like technical, sort of technical musical thing that I really like about Full Fathom 5 is how it uses, it starts with a very sparse instrumentation and then the instrument group that actually kind of builds the tension and kind of builds the movement in the song is actually the strings, which is interesting because that's at least in 14 music, that's kind of like a, a less chosen path. Usually the strings are kind of helping with the melody, but in this one, they're, they're doing that work to kind of create movement in the song. They're kind of under some of the other instruments for at least part of it, which I thought was neat. Boy, we got a lot of conversation out of those two, didn't we? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Seems like it's going to be a theme for today. I know. We got yeah. six more. All right. Are, are we good? Do we want to go on to the next block here or... How's everyone feeling? I'm ready. I'm excited. I too am ready. All right. So the next song or the next block is actually both of Hillary's picks. I um, my own block. I, I usually try to mix yeah. them up. Like I, I always try to like when I put these things together, try to put songs that work together. Like those two, I was really happy worked really well together. And I, I couldn't figure out what Hillary, like what to pair your stuff with outside <laughs> of each other. I like, I like these two together. So yes, you get your own block. We'll, we'll call it the like arranged version block. Cause my two picks are basically arrangements. Yeah. Um, that I really, really like. Um, should I introduce them both now? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So the first one is the piano collection version of Crimson Sunset, which is also from Stormblood. And then the Pulse EDM version of What Angel Wakes Me from Shadowbringers. Oh, yeah. This is, this is very exciting. Um, because we can't get enough of, you know, quote song titles. So yeah. There's that one, too. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. So we're going to go listen to Crimson Sunset and the Pulse remix of What Angel Wakes Me.
So uh, my first pick was Crimson Sunset, and there is actually a little bit of, a conf of confusion, especially with some of the piano arrangements and arranged versions of this song. <laughs> there's Crimson Sunset and there's Crimson Sunrise. Yeah, I forgot which album it was. Like sometime last year, we saw something and it was listed one way somewhere, but it was actually yeah, the other song. It was this. It was this version, actually. Okay. It was VGMDV versus some other sources. But yes, um, I chose this song for a few reasons. Uh, Anyone not familiar with Keiko on the piano and her continuing work arranging 14 music for piano should be acquainted with her really fast. Yes. She has been doing these arrangements for a while. She's been at fan fests. She's fantastic. She wears great, big, lovely dresses while she's performing. Just like everything. <laughs> she's great. Um, and the other reason I picked it is because it's just a really good and well-realized duet. You know, the two musicians are playing off of each other. The parts mesh really well throughout the song. They use the two instruments to kind of convey this area in a bunch of different moods. There's a fun, like, kind of jazzy section near the middle of this piano arrangement that I love, especially if you're watching the video because you see the pianist kind of look at the other musician who is a great shakuhachi or bamboo flute player and just kind of like, okay, are you ready? And and you're almost expecting her to kind of start wailing on this bamboo flute. And she kind of does. She gets really into it. It's fantastic. So it, it's a great example of a duet. And I think it, it adds something to the original, which is really important when I'm listening to like arranged music. And I always like the combination of something like the piano or strings with traditional Asian instruments. So that's another reason why I picked this. I think it's interesting because it's not actually, in my head, it was listed as like a bonus track because sometimes these albums have extra tracks on the disc that aren't really listed um this is not one of those but like to me it does feel like that because it's the only duet on here i think you get bonus shakuhachi yeah I mean, <laughs> pretty much the whole album is just straight up <laughs> piano and it's great and like this this one caught me by surprise by the way the video the live performance of this that Hillary mentioned, we are including a link to that video in the notes so you don't have to go find it yourself because it's really, really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really adds to it, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to jump in if that's yeah, all right. Because um, I think watching the video is really good. Um, like the original, so like so people know if they haven't played um, Stormblood, this is the night theme through Kagane, which is like your hub base for a lot of Stormblood Um where the market board is um so you'll be spending a lot of time there or you would have spent more time there had you been playing when stormblood was around um and like the night theme for stormblood as well doesn't have the bamboo flute so it uses a koto i believe or a similar um, japanese stringed instrument um so i think the bamboo the bamboo flute really adds a kind of like peaceful calmness to it and like watching the performance made me think like oh this would be something that i would watch if I was in Kugane or if my warrior of light was in Kugane I suppose this would be something that she would do she would go and see it yeah, um, like on a, on a stage in the square or something oh. <laughs> exactly yeah but like I, the original piece of music I don't always like to compare but sometimes it helps me with my like interpretation because um, Hillary said like it adds to the original and I absolutely think this adds to the original I actually think I like this version more than the original yeah. um, as well because it's really lovely and like I've heard some of Keiko's work before and this is like one of my favorite pieces I've heard actually and I really like Crimson Sunrise and Sunset as well um, but yeah um, the original is a lot more 
peaceful and mysterious. It's like, it's very calming, but it's like the kind of calming that you'd hear in one of the bathhouses or if you were together with friends to eat food. Whereas I think this version is a little bit more reflective and it's beautiful. But I also, again, it like, it's something you'd go and see live. And especially mm-hmm. like the first half, I think it's yep. a little bit more sad because you've got to think like Doma, the entire country or the continent of Doma is the one that's been like um, captured or under Galian rule yeah. for 25 years. Um, at this point or maybe a little bit more i struggle with the timeline of 14 sometimes but um yeah it captures that but then you've got the shift at like three minutes which is where like the jazz piece Mm -hmm. comes in and then fades into like it picks up even more like keiko's piano movements and the way that the uh sujimoto i think her name is the bambi Mm -hmm. flute player um she really gets into like the movement and like the the, they, they the pace picks up of the song of it and that's like the performance element of it like you go and see that with like I know some food with some friends and they play it at night and it would be like a celebration so you've got like this reflective part and then all of a sudden you've got like this this is our culture kind of thing yeah. like celebrating exploding into this kind of celebrating domain culture <laughs> yeah and it captures like I think it because obviously this is the Crimson Sunset is a arrangement of the main theme of Stormblood Revolutions um, so I think this captures like the rousing spirit side of revolutions like the we're proud of our culture we're proud of our country we want to celebrate it and this is what this does but it does it in a kugane uh, traditional japanese style way um <laughs> so it's, um, i think i've always loved like how like the purpose of music can change depending on what instruments you use and how you play it um and it like this one to me like is a lot closer to the boss theme of stormblood which is called triumphant which i almost almost bought on mm, almost bought yeah, on yeah. because it's so good um but yeah i love this i really love how it like explodes into this like celebratory performance towards the end yeah and i love the originals too but mm. i think compared to this they're a little bit more static yeah i prefer the day theme and i think i guess that this interpretation also takes from the day theme as well because mm-hmm. the day theme is a lot more like lively market based yep. like because that's what kagani is it's a port town with markets so yeah i think it kind of pulls from both and i think that that works so zach do you have anything left to say because at this point i feel like <laughs> you and i should just like take a back seat and let these two talk about all this stuff <laughs> i actually uh, am in agreement with you i all my notes uh, have been I, I literally checked them off this time it's like nope nope uh, that was taken nope that was taken nope that was taken nope that was taken uh so no i got nothing um it's i i in all sincerity like i, I think this version's great um i like uh the the video version adds a lot and i have nothing new to say um great job you too <laughs> it's, it's true, it's true. good insights as always so go watch it i think that's the only thing i'll add like, yeah. it's just, it's so worth it it's definitely worth it watching yeah all right well we'll pick up the energy even more i guess (laughs) with my next pick which is what angel wakes me um so quick introductions it's a boss theme yes (laughs) um it's an unconventional boss theme which i love it's for titania who traditionally queen of the fairies in shakespeare's midsummer night's dream and also queen of the fairies in 14 and and lots of other things right (laughs) yes that isn't commonly used name yeah and the song title i don't know unless someone else wants to take over the, the shakespeare references you, you could talk about midsummer if you want <laughs> Go that's, for that's it. Good. so what angel wakes me is so basically in midsummer night's dream titania queen of the fairies oberon king of the fairies they're feuding a little bit um and at one point depending on you know the production that you see they kind of play with this a little bit but oberon plays a trick on titania 
makes her fall in love with Bottom, who's just this very like ridiculous, ordinary kind of guy from the nearby town, human. Um, but basically, he he gives him a donkey's head and like tr- kind of magics Titania into being in love with him. And when Angel wakes me is one of the first things she says when she wakes up and sees him next to her. Um, Traditional language is <laughs> kind of a funny reference when, like, when you're going to fight her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yep. I just wanted to like bring that up. Um, yeah. So I mentioned this is an untra- not exactly a traditional boss theme. It's a very, very bouncy, which I guess is fitting if you're fighting the Queen of the Fairies, which I love. Just... The, the song, the rhythm is just fast and all up and down all over the place, which matches the lyrics. Um, you can just kind of picture her like wailing on you while she's kind of like up and down again. Ooh, la, 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 la. Like, mm-hmm. And I think the Pulse, the electronic dance music version of it, really actually kind of accentuates this. I agree. Yes. Yeah. It The sweeps and the bass drops kind of emphasize that up and down the flow of the original song. And I think it actually pairs with the rhythm like EDM is usually pretty heavy heavily rhythmic right and that I actually kind of I think at least in my brain kind of helped solidify the rhythm of the actual song in my head so I could actually time and maybe even sing along slightly better (laughs) (laughs) and I know Alana you were saying you delved into the lyrics so if you wanted to share a little bit about that you could oh gosh yeah I haven't delved too much into it but it's more like the lyrics are very Mm -hmm. and it goes into like you were saying like rhythmic and funnily enough like this edm version like the original version has definitely got like a loop to it like the music often goes through the same loops the lyrics like you know it's like they use the same things over and over and over again and like um the song itself this version in particular i think you said it, it like accentuates the whole feel of it and the original is very whimsy and playful it's just like Titania is and it's just like fairies are but like actually in the context of Stormblood and not Stormblood in the context of Shadowbringers and in the context of a lot of folklore fae and fairies are pretty terrifying because like they can trick they can trick you to death basically like it's like you know you have these cute tiny little fairy wings and it's like oh yeah really cute hi I'm gonna play trick on you dead kind of thing like right and and traditionally like they you know what there's a tradition where you know you shouldn't accept gifts from them because they yep you know because they seem happy playful whatever until you're suddenly like in a serious amount of danger yeah and you even realize it yeah and it's very cloying and very like overwhelming especially like that area it'll meg like there's something overly bright and overly like cheery about it that just puts me on edge a little bit especially when you walk across those like human-sized bushes right yeah Yeah. it's like oh something's wrong here yeah um but yeah this version in particular like the rhythmic is really good with the lyrics and like a lot of the lyrics are like not in this version Mm -hmm. so like i think it's only really the fa la 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 bits that are there like the, the those sections um because it's just a lot of the instrumentation is a lot more obvious in this version and i think like one thing about the looping lyrics and the looping rhythm of the original is like it's a slow descent into madness because Titania is she is going through that same descent into madness or they sorry have gone into this slow descent into madness in this version and the original version as well and it's like this one changes up the instrumentation every time you reach the chorus sections every time there's like cartoon noises in the middle of it there's like 
whooshes and sweeps and everything like that. Like it uses very, even for EDM, it uses like very unusual and conventional noises. Um, it, it feels like a real, like a farcical theater play kind of thing playing out, but just in an electric music kind of way. And I think it kind of accentuates like oftentimes that sort of descent is kind of done in mm-hmm. loops or cycles. And I think that yeah. kind of emphasizes that as well. Cause you're right. They don't, they don't use all the lyrics, you know, there's kind of select ones and there's a little bit of repetition. Right. Yeah. And like the guitar is a lot more obvious. Mm-hmm. I don't think, is there any, I don't think there's any guitar in the original version, but this one, as I hear the like guitar bits in the, version i feel like one of the fae are just sitting there and watching me slowly plucking at that guitar <laughs> as i'm like wiping to the mechanics again because no one's listening to how you do this boss like yeah. so a little help here no okay <laughs> yeah someone someone's laughing yeah, at me as right. i'm like fall flat on my face again it's fine i'm used to that that is the feeling of this song yes is it puck it's, 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 it's always puck <laughs> It's punk. It's always punk. Yeah, I mean, you guys covered most of what I was going to say about it. Um, we got to let Zach go first um, next time. But I, yeah. No, it's fine. Don't, don't let me go first. Um, but I was going to say, like, um, I think that, you know, it, it almost feels like um, like this song filtered through, like, if I was going into a game, <laughs> what it would sound like. Yeah. And, I, and, like, maybe I had done, like, a little bit of LSD. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Maybe. Um, you know, just a tiny bit. But, you know, and I'm going to be honest, like, I don't really like EDM music. But in this case, like, the fact that it's like a little bit annoying to me actually yes. accentuates, and you guys said right. this a lot, it accentuates exactly what the song is supposed to do. Like Titania and like the, the fairies, instead of being like terrifying, they're just like really annoying <laughs> in Shadow Frears. Um, even more so than the Moogles in oh, uh, Heaven's Word, I Promise. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they're very annoying. And it's so, like the fact that this song annoyed me a little bit. Um, it annoys me. I, I think it's like, it, it, it it's like a softer version of annoyance when I'm listening to it during the boss theme, mm-hmm. um, except for I'm more annoyed by people who listen to directions <laughs> during that fight. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I think, I think it ends up working for it. Like it, I think both this and the previous song that you picked Hillary, both like kind of in some ways as arrangements distill their songs down to like their most basic essence. Um, but I don't mean that in a negative way or pejorative way. I just mean like mm-hmm. it, it, it is like pressing forward with whatever it is that it's doing. <laughs> and in this case, I think it is like meant to be like vaguely frustrating. So there you go. I love that. I, I had something kind of similar in my notes where I had this kind of suggestion in the back of my head. But like, yeah, like Titania and, you know, the fairies, there is kind of like this twinge of annoyance there. And I think this EDM version kind of distills that to its logical conclusion, which is EDM, <laughs> I guess. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the music of the fairies edm yeah i like it um well now i'm the one that's mostly out of comments i i basically cannot get the song out of my head now because we just picked up i mean months later than planned but the scions and sinners arrangement album and there are three versions of this song on there so between listening to the pulse version for this and the three versions of the song on there um, I'm basically going to sleep and waking up with the la la la's in my head. Oh no! See that 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 too sounds like a fairy curse of some kind. It kind of does, actually. I hadn't thought about <laughs> it like that. It's an earworm. What angel wakes wakes? Uh, what angel wakes Mike Salvato? <laughs> is this one? Oh lord! Did we just find the title for the episode? <laughs> I don't think that would work for people. But oh my goodness! Um, I have an answer to that question, actually, but I'll tell you during the break. You're going to find that song to be your alarm now, by the way. Oh, no. <laughs> Not going to do that to you. Speaking of angels waking people and poor transition. 
Wow. <laughs> That's the highest compliment. I'm actually not sure what you're referring to, but no matter what, it's not. No, I, I, got, I got nothing. I got nothing. Alana had a perfect transition before, and I'm like, how do I transition Titania to. So that's the second time you've thrown one of my transitions out the window. Thanks, Mike. Wait, did you give me one just now? Earlier. Well, you just or said. Earlier, yes. We gave but not you... right now. Oh. Okay, fine. Fine, you do it. You do it. You you use transition I I... what Angel wakes me to Dragon Song. I. <laughs> <laughs> just go with that. <laughs> All right. We just finished talking about fairies. Now we're moving on to dragons. There you go. Yeah. All right. Sure. Speaking <laughs> yeah, of there folklore. You go. Yeah. Here's another right. <laughs> it came it came through eventually. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> anyway, so our, our next block here is gonna start with a song from Zach, which who has Dragon Song from Heaven's Word. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I expected what? more than three words. Yeah. Okay, so yes, so you have Dragon Song from Heaven's Word, and um, after that, I have Night Bloom from Stormblood. That's how we're going to do it. Three word introductions. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about both of them because there's a lot going on. Oh, there's a lot going on. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, let's go listen to Dragon Song and Night Bloom. Swelling over long seas of blood. 
All right, so I uh, chose Dragon Song, which is the, I guess to avoid spoilers, the 3.3 trial theme in uh, Heaven's Word. Um, and I I think it's like one of maybe the most obvious picks from this entire <laughs> game, um, which I'm very good for obvious picks. And, and it gets to like sort of the, the sorts of things that I like in music in general. Um, and I love like sort of um, the way that it opens uh, with like sort of a soft piano and then it's so vocally driven, maybe even more than any other song in this game, maybe even more than like something like Answers or To The Edge, we'll talk about later. I feel like it feels like a piece of musical theater almost in the way that it is so much a piece of storytelling um, as a, a piece of music. Um, because like the, the thing that the, the singer, I don't know the name of the singer's uh, uh, talking about, is sort of like two stories at the same time, both like the stories between like, a uh, human and a dragon but also like this conflict between humans and dragons in general and i think that the way that the story builds and the way that the music builds with it um is really emotionally affecting especially because it comes at the end of all these things that you've seen through heaven's word but all the pain and all the suffering that you've seen uh that people have gone through and also like sort of the tragedy of the fight itself like you're fighting uh, a creature that you understand at that point um and i think that the vocals driving it and like it being almost like this um, story driven thing makes it really interesting. And I like um, in particular, like the way that um, it focuses on the music and it keeps adding instrumentation in Mm -hmm. um, and it's like tragic and tragic. And like it moves like towards almost like, and there's occasion like these like beats uh, of like a French, there's like these moments of like French horn coming in that are almost like dramatic in like an almost militant way. Um, But the thing I like most about the song is the way it resolves in like, quiet and sadness the way that um the story of heaven's word does in some ways um and so i think that really if you're listening to this song both from like an instrumental perspective and the way it uses strings and the way it uses piano and the way that it ultimately uses like french horns and those things and then it resolves into just like the voice and like very light piano and strings mm-hmm. um and the voice being the only thing that carries it and that sort of like functioning alone um gets to like the emotions of this moment i think really effectively i think so it's of all the main themes and vocal themes in 14, I think it's still the one that most encapsulates, like, not all of the story, but, like, the backbone of the story throughout all of Heaven's Word is in this song, which I know I've talked about it before somewhere. I think it was when, um, I think Peter brought the Heaven's Word yep, he did. theme several episodes ago, and I talked about this song as an kind of an as an aside right and, but we and, kept going through the main theme and we're like oh wait this part of the story is here and this one and this one and yeah. this one well it's in this like the lyrics mm-hmm. in dragon song are interesting because you know the song was released even though i don't remember the first time it plays in the game i know it plays in that final battle but you know the, the song was available before that and i always thought it was interesting that once you understand the story the lyrics take on well they take on a meaning because when you don't know yet, it's like, well, it's interesting and it's evocative. And I'm like, I'm not sure what all of this means. But then you find out later that the, the base of all of the story and the history behind what happens in Heaven's Word is all there in the lyrics. Yeah, this song is a cool little frame. It's kind of like the beginning of a movie or the beginning of a story where someone sits down and is like, let me sing you this song. It's going to be a story about this. Yes. And that's sort of like the, the frame. And then you get all the details when you actually play. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really like that. And this is Susan, right? Susan Calloway? This is Susan Calloway. It is, yeah. Zach. Oh my gosh. Um, Who, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Umatsu heard her kind of before 14 started or someone did and kind of decided like, that's that's the voice that we want to start out 14 with. I, don't put me on the spot. I don't know. Okay. That, that sounds familiar. I don't want to say yes, that's what happened, but I know, yeah. 
that's the legend. That, that we'll sounds that. that sounds familiar. <laughs> and and one more thing, I I will say, even though I took a little dig at Zach, and I already feel bad about it. Um, I should say, like you, you're making a joke about like, hey, I'm the master of obvious picks and all that. Um, I I almost said we shouldn't bring Dragon Song on because I was certain that we had it on the show before now, and we haven't. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. I, I checked. I promise. Yeah, I know. I know. Like it, it does seem like an obvious pick, but at the same time, we haven't had it on yet. No so one picked it. I'm glad you did. Yeah, it um, should be here for sure. It absolutely should. This is the right time for it. Yeah, definitely. Um, to kind of jump in, yeah, I think that you don't actually hear it in game before that 3.3 fight. The only place I think I remember you hearing it is like the intro movie. That's one when you're like sitting on the well, way back when you could have like the title screen on the expansion, like that it played before that. Because I remember leaving it idle and having like Dragon Song playing over and over and over again. And I was listening to it like years and years ago. But like, um, I think I'm going to dance around spoilers a little bit, um, but the the fact that it plays at the beginning, because um, the fight that you do, the fight, it's like three different songs. And I think this is the only one other than Binding Coil, which uses answers, that actually uses the main theme straight up. Like, because you've got like the final boss of like the worm's tail mm-hmm. in um, Stormblood. Um, and then you've got um, Who Brings Shadow, um, for Shadowbringers, which uses part of Shadowbringers' main theme. Um, mm-hmm. But this just straight up uses it, like the whole song for the very first phase. And it's interesting because like a lot of, I was making a lot of comparisons and a lot of like 14 is a lot about memory and history and remembering it. And a lot of this song is like, you know, there are lines like, children of the land, why did you, like, like why did they forget this? Like, why did humanity wipe out this why did they start this war? Why did they wipe out this era of history? And Ishgard in particular, like, again, dancing around spoilers a little bit, but I guess I am spoiling it slightly. Like, why why are they living in ignorant bliss? Like, empty bliss is a word that they use in the song. Like, why are they living in, like, pretend happiness? Like, they're trying to pretend that everything's normal. And, like, there's another line in there, seeking solace in abyss. Like, you're just trying to find, like, this kind of happiness in, like, eradicating history and i think this song i don't know the perspective of what it's being song sung from but like once you listen to it in context and you know everything and you hear it in that moment in 3.3 when you queue up and when you go in because if you queue up straight after getting this like you get the quest to do the final steps of faith this is what's playing as you're waiting i had to listen to it for 25 minutes i remember yeah <laughs> had <No>. to <laughs> extended version yeah the dps queue um but like yeah you're listening to it and you're now like that sense of history is coming into play more and more and more and then you get into the fight and you realize this creature that you're fighting that you now fully understand the perspective of and you want to help because they're also your friend it's like if this song if the emotion in this song is what they're feeling or like a percentage of what they're feeling it's them crying out for help right it's a gorgeous ballad where they're just this is everything that I've been feeling over hundreds of years and distilled into this like one five minute piece and you're standing there and it's like you're fighting this dragon and it's like this is how you feel in this moment and it's like they're crying for help and this fight is you taking in all this emotion and you're potentially going to have to kill a friend you're going to end all of this hate and end this war finally that's been going on for years and years and years but like yeah it's just this culmination and even as it like builds up the song it's like that's just the the peak of it the peak of it is like 
every single thing that they like a nation of people the dragons the dragon song war all of it like the isail as well is captured in this song really beautifully mm-hmm. like the lovers in this song are isail and trace Velga, so like it, it's just the backbone of heaven's ward all coming together in this one creature this one thing feels all of this rage and this anger and it's just trying to it, 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 it it's overwhelmed by it and that is exactly what the trial is like you're just trying to save someone who is overwhelmed by this rage and this hate and it's it's sad and it's beautiful and i love this song so much and i love this fight so much as well so try to, to dance around it but yeah um one comment because you zach you specifically linked us to the the distant worlds version if i'm not mistaken i did and i think that was a, a good and interesting choice because i feel like in that version there's a lot of care like you explained earlier into adding all of those layers and it's funny because the one that I noticed actually I think it's one of the last layers that sort of gets added before the song resolves kind of into that hint of sadness is a chorus Mm. there's a small chorus under Susan near the end and that that's when it kind of really hit me like wow this is built up to a lot but I think it's a good version for that kind of mirrors the story and it's it's adding all of those layers and it gives you a, a little bit of a moment to have that sink in. There's just a lot there. Yeah, I mean, I think that I like the the choral element of it because it makes it, um, it, it almost makes it feel like, I mean, it's a, in some ways it's like a, like a sacred battle between these two people and it makes it feel like like people are joining in in that moment. And I think like, again, like it, getting, again, trying to avoid spoilers, but like getting into like sort of the nature of like who's experiencing this pain and then like who understands this pain later um, and then, like, the reaction of the people of Ishgard to it, like, some of them um, sort of, like, joining into it, and also, like, the reaction of other people is maybe indicative of the way people react to politics in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think it's fascinating, but, yeah, I, I, I love the choral element of this, too. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think this version is just a little bit slower paced than, than what you hear in the actual game. Not, not significantly, but just a tiny mm-hmm. bit, which I think kind of adds to the, like, mm-hmm let me tell you a story kind of feeling to it. Yeah, sort of that traditional ballad mm-hmm. element of it. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yeah, which is quite neat when you think that Heavensward ends with you, with someone closing a book called Heavensward, mm-hmm. right? And that's the way it's kind of going throughout the course of Heavensward, too. It's like, it's a story that's being told to you, like, so think the weight of history. Yeah. Um, you feel, it's one of the things that, that makes me like Heavensward more than the rest of them, is that I feel, like, it feels like more personal history to me, whereas, and I love Shadowbringers, but Shadowbringers feels like more, like, distant history and a little more, you know, fantastical, whereas this feels like something real that people are experiencing constantly for a thousand years. So it's, it's one of the reasons why that always hits me a little harder. Well, here's a question then that I wish I had asked this before, but let's just figure it out on the air. Um, which song will people be listening to then? Because my thought was to put the original version in here, but should we? I like the original version. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm cool with that. You, you can link the Distant Worlds version too, though. Yeah. All right. So what you people just heard was the original version, but we will link the Distant Worlds version in the show notes as well. So you can compare the two. They're pretty similar. So, yeah. I think I covered some of the major differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So th- this pairing, by the way, of songs in this block was the first pairing I came up with when putting the track list together because they're both basically songs that lead into a climactic battle. Um, very different emotions behind them, but um, uh, so Night Bloom, that was that was smooth, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> so Night Bloom, it doesn't play in the battle, right? I don't think it does. It's just before. I'm pretty sure it plays during the first phase. It's the, very the first beginning. phase, yeah. yeah you're right. It's the yeah. same as Dragon Song. Like it plays while you're waiting for a cue, but also plays during the first That's phase. That's true. Look, look, I haven't done that fight in like 
<laughs> eight hours. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was also the first phase of the X version. Yes, yes, it was. Like. Yes, it was. All right, but the first time you hear it is before. It's it's when you unlock the fight and you're standing there, and you need to queue up for it. And that's that's how I remember it. Actually, it's it's actually true of three songs we have today. But when I unlocked it, I remember standing there for. I was not waiting for a DPS queue for 25 minutes, but. I did actually wait a while before queuing up because I wanted to sit and listen to this for a little while. You wanted to G-pose, be honest. Come on. I wanted I wanted to G-pose while listening to this song. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do have screenshots from this room before the fight, yes. So you're, you're not wrong. Um, I'm also going to dance around spoilers here, but um, the, everything that leads up to the song, because this is... Is this 4.3, 4.4. I can't remember. 4.3. Okay. 4.3. We've got, of course, we've got 3.3. <laughs> of course. Of course, it's today. a 0.3. Yeah. <laughs> There's a method to their madness, isn't there? <laughs> there is indeed. <laughs> the stuff that leads up to this fight, which, you know, I was really hoping it wasn't going to go the way it did just for the sake of my heart, but um, it did. Uh, it's so, it's such a heavy, heavy moment, where, like what leads up to this. And it just, ugh, it's kind of heartbreaking. Um, and also I was a little angry about it because I didn't really like that they were doing what they did with this character at the time. Um, I don't know that I'm not still a little unhappy about it, but at the same time, <laughs> if the idea was to make you feel something, it, it worked. So this is, um, Alana mentioned something about this, about how some other uh, like main themes are reused or used in different ways throughout. And that's that's what Night Bloom is, because it's in the, it's one of many songs based on Revolutions, which is Stormblood's main theme. Yeah, we talked about it with The Tempest. Yeah, And exactly. the fight after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so it's so, so very different from from Revolution, just the the way the instruments used and just the emotional uh impact of this song and I, I i think it might come through and obviously you know hillary's the one that can tell us this if that for me <laughs> i think i think that comes through whether you know what's going on in the story or not let's find out musically um <laughs> she will say if i'm like just making this up because it's it's hard for me not to include that like i know what's happening when this plays and i know how it makes me feel so I can't remove myself from that or remove the events from the song. I, I mean, personally, like sort of listening to it, because um, even though I also did this fight yesterday, <laughs> um, I kind of forgot the exact context of it. Um, but I think it does because like, it has like three different, like it, it, it blends that Stormblood main theme also with a little bit of like the Garlean main theme, mm-hmm. um, which I think is totally appropriate to who this character is mm-hmm. um, and sort of what, like the sort of the tracking, what, this fight does again not trying to give too much away here but um like it starts with like this like timpani roll and like has like these like really intense horns but it also has like these urgent strings happening underneath it and like and there's also like this dramatic piano so like there's like these three mm-hmm. different things and like none of them resolve at the same time nope. like all three of those like sort of like different tracks resolve in different ways at different moments at different times and given what the first phase of this fight is and who this character is and sort of like the volume. Um, and I think that you find this out with later elements of the fight, like, like the way that this character is struggling, even though what you see in this moment and it feels like pure unadulterated rage, you get to see sort of the different elements that lead to the rage. I hadn't done this fight forever until yesterday. I was so glad we did it yesterday um, because it is such such a heartbreaking fight that might not be matched in the game in terms of like the way that it accomplishes storytelling uh, through mechanics. Mm, yeah. Um, and 
the, and, and like when the phases change, like the, the song becomes sadder um, and goes to like different songs. Um, but I do think that like it's like this moment of like feeling triumph, but also like because all the different tracks are doing different things, you can feel the uncertainty of it through that. Right. Like uh, the sense that I got from a someone who's not quite there in the game yet. Um, I didn't know going in, this was kind of the first phase, so I knew it wasn't exactly the complete story of the fight. But what I got from it is definitely that lack of resolution. It felt like there was some kind of conflict going on. But also, it actually sounds a little bit like a, a march, a little bit like this character's resolve to do something. They kind of made a decision. Mm-hmm. and But that there was like big, I think because of that lack of resolution, I sort of got like a big, and just the, the volume and just the driving nature of the song, kind of a little bit of like, there was a little bit of an, a hint of, well, more than a hint of like desperation to what's going mm-hmm. on. And I don't know if that's like something that the player's meant to be feeling or the character's meant to be feeling, or maybe both. It's both. <laughs> it's both. It's, it's definitely absolutely both. both. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I got just from the music side. You nailed it. I know you have more notes, but I, I'm gonna say like this, I know sometimes you worry about like being behind people in 14, but you, it gives you a perspective on some of this stuff that other people might not have, and that's twice today. <laughs> um, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you are where you are because I think about this stuff all the time. Everything I said about this track and some other tracks, I'm like, you know, I think it has this emotion. I think it comes through just in the music, and it's not just me like projecting how I felt or because of what's happening on screen or in the game. But I can never say for sure. I can't say for sure if it really is also in the music on its own and you've confirmed that so once again <laughs> these people that make this music for this game are brilliant <laughs> oh. um i mean it's true it's true yes, like, we're, we're empirically- and, and so is hillary let's be oh, honest i mean yes yes <laughs> we're empirically we're empirically testing that today yes. i guess yeah. <laughs> does this convey the right emotion okay and yes really, storm blood i mean like some of the stuff you've said about this too like the desperation all these other like emotions and like that is exactly it and you have not seen any of that in the game yet no i have not so there's there's something to that <laughs> or you're just so maybe it even isn't and you're just so insightful it can be both it can be both it's definitely both yeah. oh come on anyway go on yeah Technically, one thing I thought was really neat, and I wish I'd written down a time, but unfortunately I didn't. There's actually a moment in Nightbloom that kind of sounds like the Zelda Link to the Past dungeon theme. There's a little bit of a do-do-do-do-do. Oh, shoot, which dungeon? I think Eastern, like early Eastern Palace. Oh. Kind of, but it's like sped up and the volume's kind of cranked uh-huh. up, but it, it reminded me of it a little bit. I know what bit you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it my turn now to say that, wow, everyone's taken everything I've written <laughs> down? Yes. Um... Yeah, well, the only thing really I want to add on is, um, like, Hillary's use of the word desperation. I think that's a really good word to pick out. But, like, also, again, dancing around spoilers a little bit. Like, there's one moment where, like, the piano, the, a piano and a harp come in in this song. It yeah. feels really, like, a slightly unexpected, not given the context of the fight again, and given, like, the situation that's come about and why this person is doing this thing and is this thing. It's like... This make this gives it like that added like kind of what's the word I want to use here? I don't want to use the word what it actually is. It's like the piano like adds a little bit of a lightness to it and a little bit of not fantasy but kind of like uh, magic, I guess, but like not in the sense of good magic. Like this is not good. Um, but there's also like melancholy as well, and I think actually like even though the three different phases of the fight and particularly like lunacy like picks up on the real trauma of the character and then like wayward daughter is like the absolute like 
anguish of the character coming out. But like this theme actually builds up to all of that perfectly. And that's kind of what Zach was saying earlier anyway. But like there's that melancholy with the piano. There's a triumphantness about it, which Zach was talking about, because this is someone who is going to achieve what she wants at the cost of anything. And it's like she not only that, like it takes the imperial theme. Um, it's like a mix of Alamega. It's the Alamegan anthem that plays when the Garlians have taken over Alamigo Um, so it's not only that but it's like amplified that theme to like tenfold because you know this is someone who wants to crush the world under her heel basically because all it has done is spit her back out over and over again and it's just rage but also bitterness like it's, it's pure hatred and anger in again like in its like purest form but it's just, it, yeah, really, really, really sets up the rest of the fight perfectly. It's interesting that you mentioned the piano because, like, in my notes, I'm seeing that the, at one point there are some descending piano runs that I said sounded ethereal, and I think I, like, in my mind, I was going, "What is the piano doing here?" I really want to like see what in the game happened to kind of like add that emotional tinge to it. You will. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm. Try- I can't say the word. <laughs> the word. There's a specific word. Well, yeah, I don't. I just don't want to spoil it for you. Basically, I think it's a really important moment. I knew going in what it was, but oh. I think it's very cool. All right, we have one block left. Woo. I don't know that these last two go together quite as well as some other ones, but I also knew that the last song had to be the last song. I, I feel like they actually go together perfectly. Honestly, okay, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go with it. Really? Um, so our last song is is last song our last block is pure shadow bringers so zach has our first one here what do you have i am giving you another obvious pick i am choosing to the edge um which plays during the 5.3 trial i mean i i don't care again that it's obvious because if you had if you hadn't picked it i was going to <laughs> yeah 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 it um, needed to be here it had to be here absolutely for so many reasons and then after that alana has our final song i do i have the credits piece from shadowbringers uh it's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow beautiful yeah. all right <laughs> so let's let's go listen to, to the edge and tomorrow and tomorrow
So I brought To the Edge, which, you know, I said earlier is an obvious pick, and it is, but you know, there's a reason it's an obvious pick, because it's amazing. Um, to the Edge is amazing for so many reasons that we didn't even know when it came out. So I'm going to start by talking about that. Um, probably a lot of people know um, who are listening to this that uh, Soken, uh, the composer of most of Final Fantasy XIV's music, was through a lot of the patch content and a lot of the pandemic, um, was being treated for cancer. Um, and so, uh, apparently, um, he wrote this song, uh, the music for this song while he was actually receiving chemotherapy, um, like literally while he was sitting there receiving it, um, which given the context of the song, I think is amazing. The other thing I think is amazing about this is, is does anybody here know who Sokin's favorite band is apparently? <laughs> oh, I do, oh, but I will not uh, say anything. It's System of a Down. No, I was wrong. Um, oh my <laughs> God. Okay. Right. That makes this um, song make so much more sense. I know, right? Um, That's amazing. It's like 70s hairband filtered through a little grunge, filtered through oh, yeah. tragic hopefulness, uh, which sounds like literally my exact kind of music. Um, <laughs> and it is. Um, so I think that um, if you're just thinking about the lyrics and apparently Sokin actually didn't write the lyrics. It was uh, whoever the guy who sung the song was, Jason something. No, the lyrics were written by Koji Fox and um, the okay. scenario writer for Shadowbringers, but I'm sure Jason Miller probably had some input because there is yeah. some Shadowbringers in there as well. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, but, it, it, you know, like the fact that, you know, Sokin wasn't the one to directly write them, but like I feel like if you look at those lyrics and think about what those lyrics are talking about, like it's sort of that mix of feeling like you are in a position where you don't have any other options, but like you still find it actually like it actually says the word hope multiple times, right? Um, I think it's like a remarkably uh, prescient about like his particular um, situation and his particular meaning. But it is, of course, uh, those of you who have played Shadowbringers, like very relevant to the situation that you find yourself in with a person you're fighting and that 5.3 trial and like sort of the situation that they, them and their people have sort of gone through. And like, it's like the end of the line for them. Uh, like in the fact that they're finding hope in that moment, like it gets back to like all those narratives that I was really appreciate, like finding, finding a through line like forward to the fact that like this group of people failed um, and are going to fail. Um, I think is remarkable. Um, there's a lot of, I have a lot of notes about the music, but I will leave those till the end. If other people don't talk about them, but I just think like sort of the story of this song, like when I listen to it now, given what I know about Sokin's situation, it makes it so remarkably more moving than it was. And it was already very moving to me. I mean, you can talk about the music as well. I'll, I'll talk about it later. You guys go ahead. Oh, okay. Boy. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned just the background of Sokin and his situation right off the bat, because I think that it changes the way you see this song. There's no way around it. Right. 100%. You can't listen to it exactly the same way knowing that. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, even his team, most of his team didn't know it. Right. They were like, wait, you were doing what? We thought you were right. just working from home. It's like, nope. I'm like, how should you do this? Why did you do this? Yeah. Because he has to do it because he loves it. But that's kind of the, the isolation that go, goes along with that. Mm -hmm. Figurative and literal, probably. <sighs> Let's see. I, as usual, I've heard a lot from the Shadowbringer soundtrack, um, but don't know the context yet. But that did not stop me from enjoying this song a lot, musically, lyrically, all of it. And I'm, I'm still kind of just impressed and wondering how, I mean, we mentioned all these kind of different filters and elements for this song, and I'm still kind of just really kind of amused and impressed that they're able to combine these kind of somber, but finding hope in a bleak moment kind of lyrics with um, 
a little bit of funky bass and metal vocals and just having all of it work together. It's just really impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like, again, I've heard this a lot before I did the fight and I've very, very, very recently done the fight. So I sort of like understood a lot of the context. Um, uh, but yeah, this song is... It's interesting because like it is really hopeful, but it's hopeful in a way that's really desperate and really like clinging on with your fingernails kind of desperate because like a lot of the song is it's like two voices throughout and they're just trying to hold on to the end. And one of the one of the motifs, like again, we talked about Four Fathom Five earlier. To the Edge is one of the many songs in Shadowbringers that uses that Four Fathom Five Neath Dark Waters um mortal instruments motif. Um right up into the very beginning of the song which starts off with a metronome like a clock ticking like finger snapping and it's like these it's like this is somebody singing this song and they're singing it in the context of like reliving the final days reliving the end over and over again like time is ticking and the end is coming again they're going to the edge and i think like the song itself really emphasizes like this is my last chance to do this like everything is flashing before this person's eyes like their life as it, as it does you know it's a cliche to say your life flashes before your eyes when you're going to die but like it genuinely like in times where i've been at my lowest it, even without like, i've never been in a life-threatening situation but like anyone at their lowest point will probably go over their entire life and go like here we go this is what's happened this is what we're doing things like that and i think this song is like an exercise in that to a degree um and i think as well there are lyrics in there and zach you mentioned hope um the lyrics are specifically from the title theme fourfold knowing which is the song that plays every time you boot up shadowbringers currently if you're listening to this when endwalker is out that's not relevant anymore but if you listen to the words in fourfold knowing the specific lines it pulls are riding home riding home finding hope don't lose hope and in the middle of fourfold knowing it sounds way more powerful. It's like, it's a very much like a, you know, don't lose hope. We won't lose hope. We're going to find hope. We're going to do it. Here, it's sung in a totally different key. It's a lot slower. It's a lot more steady. And it's like those memories are starting to fade away. Like, you're cl- rather than like grasping them and holding onto them, these are, this is like a hope that's kind of slipping away. It's very desperate. Like, this person singing this song or the thing that's about, um, it's really hard to talk about without saying the words. Um, but like, I, I mean, I think that to talk about it musically for a second there, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I <laughs> think that like the way that like the voice, like all the voices, even like the choral voices, mm-hmm. like feel slightly distorted. Yes. I've used distortion throughout all of it, but like that notion, like the way that it feels like the male singer, Jason, what's the name again? Jason Miller. <laughs> Jason Miller. Like the way that it feels like it's almost like coming through like a telephone. Um, but like a slightly yep. distorted one, like I get think gets to that, like uh, that element of like distance and like the way that it's just like barely still there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's good. An app, like, it's, it's a good, good observation. use um, of that technique. Mm, definitely. And like there are some parts of this song that are really overwhelming. Like there's a counter melody when um, Jason starts singing about monochrome melodies and it just like really hits you. Like there are moments where like it's slipping away and then it pulls back and it's like this like push and pull between like hope and also like you know desperation um but this song is just like it's just again like a lot of the songs we've picked today it's like a lot of a lot of pain and a lot of like this is the last stand we've got to do this um but yeah to to the edge is an incredible song even without any context um but it's just i just 
I just love the fight as well so much. Like, I've only done yeah. it once, but it's so good. I, I don't get to say this time that you all took my notes because somehow I didn't write down any notes for this. I thought it'd be a good idea for some reason to wing it on this one. Um, I like what you said. I like the, the comparison you drew between how the music and the lyrics are used in the intro versus how they're used here, because that really, really works with how the story plays out. Because when you're starting Shadowbringers early on, that is your feeling of like, okay, we got to go do this. We got to go, you know, to really overly distill it, we got to go beat the bad guys. Um, but the more you progress, the more you learn about that, it, it definitely turns into more of a conflicted, like, well, I kind of don't want to do this. But we kind of have to do this. And I, I think that's a really interesting transition that also reflected in the music. And, and what you said too about the the kind of push and pull um, since uh, Zach and I have been spending hours every week doing this fight for the last month and a half. Um, and I don't get tired of this yeah. song. Um, I <laughs> No, someone on, someone on the chat said like, oh, I have to turn this off. I'm like, nope, never. Nope. <laughs> well, they wanted, they were listening to something else. I'm what? Like, huh, weird. Whoa. <laughs> Might have been a former staff member here. Um, but Whoa. Um, that, that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I know they've talked about how their development process and I'm not sure where everything. I think the music comes in later, but it is interesting that the way you described um, the song and the feeling of that push and pull, like, hey, we're eh, exactly how you said it you know what i mean um how that also plays into the fight itself because there is a lot of back and forth like okay like i think i have the edge up and then your opponent feels that too and it's like well it's you're trying to figure out where it's going to go because it's it's a pretty it's like you said you mentioned desperate a few times and that's that is how that fight feels um it's pretty intense. Listening to you all, it's kind of neat how this song finds multiple ways of kind of musically conceptualizing an edge. Because you have that sense of distance, which is something that you do associate with an edge. You know, it's far away from the middle, right? Mm -hmm. So that sort of distortion is kind of how it embodies that. But also that kind of like push and pull. It's almost like you're sort of on the edge between that feeling you had at the beginning of the, the game and it fading completely, completely away. So you're on the push and pull in the music kind of like musically shows an edge that way mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. as going between those extremes. That's really neat. All right. Well, I'm spent. We're done, right? <laughs> We've got one one more really good song. Oh, yeah. We have one more really good song. Right. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Tomorrow and Tomorrow is a hard song to talk about. Um, again, like a lot of the other stuff we've picked. Um, I should probably start by saying, oops, I've managed <laughs> to pick another Shakespeare reference here. So <laughs> should probably give a little bit of context for that. So there is a famous soliloquy at the end of Macbeth called Tomorrow, or it's famously called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, so specifically three. And it's after Macbeth's wife dies and he is kind of lamenting how his life is meaningless now because he's lost her and everything that just happens. Someone will elaborate on this better because like, I'm just kind of mumbling through it, but like, it's, it's essentially everything is a performance now and that death is really just the final act of a performance. Um, now, Tomorrow and Tomorrow, this version is not that it is the complete opposite and almost an answer to that which is interesting if you know or you understand who this song is about and who is probably singing it so i don't want to go into that necessarily um because i mean it's probably important like it's between one it's, it's between your character and another character and it's sung from both perspectives um but yeah there are some 
really, really stunningly good moments in this song. And it's another personal favorite thing of mine in music is just anything that is just like last episode. I managed to pick a song that was both vocals and string, and choir and string. This is exactly the same. And piano as well. We've got piano in this one as well, which is good. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think it's used multiple times throughout Shadowbringers. It's one of the main motifs again. So you've got it in the Crystarium theme, the day and the night one, and in Yulmore's day and night theme as well. So it's used in both areas. Um, and it's also used in the very, very final boss theme. When, and I mean that as in like, 5.0 final boss uh, the song invincible um part of the lyrics and the music are used in that song and given who that character is that you find you know that who part of this song is about um so there are a few things that stand out to me about this song and i'm gonna let other people talk about it because i think i probably have too much to say and a lot of it is way too personal um because I, I just see this song as a very like personal song to a warrior of light or the warrior of light or my warrior of light maybe um, it's not about them but I think it's them telling somebody you will still be remembered basically like 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 the the end isn't death and it's especially relevant when you know the final words of a character is remember that we once lived and I think a lot of Shadowbringers and a lot of 14 as I alluded to earlier is a lot of like carrying people's memories and remembering history and remembering things and I think that's what a lot of Tomorrow and Tomorrow does. One thing I think is worth mentioning this song is we have a change in vocalist. And I mean, I I absolutely adore this. I think as much as any of the other vocal themes, you know, different person, but I think she conveys a lot of the same power that Susan does, um, which is amazing. Absolutely. It's definitely a very piercing soprano. I mean, it's like, it's it's amazing on that front. It is, yes. Very hollow in a way. Like, not hollow, but like, there's something very like, like, Susan's got like a real powerful voice, but there's something about, oh gosh, um, the singer here. Um, Amanda. I, I, Amanda, yeah. I think her name is. Yes. Amanda's on the Science and Center yeah. album all over the place. Yeah. And I'm like, I wonder where else she's sung right here. Yeah, that's her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about her voice here that's very like, I don't want to say holy because mm-hmm. I don't think there's like any religious like aspect to it. But the choirs kind of add to that. I mean, I think there is something like almost like, like I think like holy in the way that it evokes history. Yeah. The adjective I was going to use is kind of pure it was very clear it is yeah. pure which works very well for the song given that like you said it, the the whole message behind it is kind of two characters kind of having a little bit of a dialogue and a little moment of like out out brief candle no yeah. <laughs> no you will be remembered you know the the eternal wind yep. is gonna be there and you'll live on somehow kind of thing exactly it's like a double re- mm-hmm. yes <laughs> it's a double reference there like we're gonna the, the eternal wind is the warrior of light or the warrior of darkness trying to remember or remembering or carrying the message of these people yeah so it's another final fantasy three reference like shadowbringers is like the whole thing yep yeah but yeah like there's just this carrying this eternal struggle is really what the warrior of light is doing at this point and that's just them telling it to this person and not only is this like the answer to tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow but it's also the mirror to the shadowbringers main theme which is like you know, the whole build-up of, like, the whole of the narrative of Shadowbringers and this, like, you're the person bringing darkness or someone else is bringing light and this is what's going to happen. So this is it saying, like, no, this is me ending this wheel of mortality and, like, this idea that you're, you know, once you're dead, you're dead kind of thing. There is always going to be a future for these people that this song is about, right? Like, and I think the one bit 
and I'll stop in a minute and so other people can jump in. Like the one bit that always stands out to me is when um, like the baritone choir come in and um, Amanda says, stand tall, my friend. And that's a line used frequently throughout Shadowbringers by different characters. Um, and like standing tall is like you're telling somebody to like look up and feel a bit of hope, but also like just take in everything and just uh, have a little bit, not pride necessarily, but like just believe for a second like we will not forgive you and we will make sure to remember you so it's a sad and beautiful song but it's also a little bit of hope hopeful as well um and i love one last thing like i do love around like 340 um the piano comes in again it does my favorite thing where like the the song like culminates into its like climax and it's that release of emotion again like again in that moment she says like stand tall again and that's just where everything like bursts out so I love this piece it's very hard for me to talk about in multiple different ways uh, which I've demonstrated um and you sounded good to me yes it's incredible I'm sitting here looking at Zach's muted icon and I'm like I know Zach has something to say here (laughs) um I really appreciate the key change um that they use here um like the way that it moves between (laughs) this like sharp piercing pure soprano and like the chord change um, to make it feel more like you're talking to another person, which gets back to that idea that Alana was talking about earlier. I mean, I th- one of the things that I think, um, and I know that we were, uh, that many of us were in the previous Nier episode, and it, we, we talked about like the ways in which like Nier music contrasts a lot of times and like also like helps us understand characters in ways that they aren't obvious about. And I, I think that one of the things that 14 is interesting with is that it, and I don't, and I, when I say it's more obvious, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that it more closely mirrors sort of like the the sequencing of events. Like we're talking about the Dragon Song or To the Edge or whatever. Like it more closely matches with what we're seeing on screen. It's not maybe necessarily as subtle, but again, I think that it's brilliant in its own way. And so I think that the way that it goes from like that almost like sharp, pure soprano to like that more conversational chord progression uh, gets to like the ways in which we have conversations with people throughout the course of Shadowbringers. Mm. It brings us to different understandings. Um, and yeah, I can't, I can't say anything more than that without spoiling it. But um, I, I think that that's my only additional thing beyond what has already been said. Um, and yeah, I love, I love the Macbeth reference and how it's an answer to the nonsense <laughs> that is that soliloquy as much as I love it. I think that was a good, good place to end things then. Unless anyone has more, like, please, if you have more to talk about, like, Let's talk about it. We've come this far. I love Final Fantasy fourteen. If you haven't played it yet, you should go play it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I know we've been, not to put Hillary on the spot, like I know we, we talk about not wanting to spoil things partially, partially for Hillary's sake, but also for everyone listening because these are events that are like possibly, you know, dozens and dozens, if not more hours, depending on how you play, into the game. So like... I know not everyone has played this game and let alone if if you had like it takes a while to get to these points and the story is so important to this game we don't want to spoil it for anyone right and not to mention the fact that if you haven't picked it up yet the amount that you know might influence your decision to play it or not we really don't want that yeah and also it offers a free trial up to we level don't want 60. to influence your decision uh, free trial <laughs> I mean free trial up to level 60 is very generous it is critically yes. claimed expansion heaven yep, sword etc yep. etc et meme 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 I, i'm i am curious <laughs> i think someone when we were playing last night mentioned it but i'm, I'm curious if they're gonna 
expand that at some point to include Stormblood too, because that would make it even more. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I will tell you, if anybody plays through up the end, up to the end of Heaven's Word and they don't subscribe, <laughs> I don't want to be their friend. So that's true, I that's true. really that don't need, need to get further than that. <laughs> yeah, I don't need your Heaven's Word judgment. No, you're right. You're right. Um, if you're not convinced by then, then it's probably not for you. But yeah, it's a good game, too. I I, I enjoy it a lot. This is the person who convinced <laughs> most of the staff to not play Most it. of the staff, just many people on staff to play. <laughs> Just almost everyone on this podcast. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't you who convinced me to play originally, so I'm sorry. No, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take partial credit <laughs> along with the other people here for getting you to come back. You can take partial credit for getting me to come back. Yes, correct, and that is really when I started to play. Correct. So, all right, wow. Well, this is an episode. So I, I knew we were gonna have a lot to talk about. Yep. Three Shakespeare song titles later, and <laughs> and here we are. Yes. So hopefully everyone who's listened today gets a sense of why we adore this game and its uh, soundtrack so very much. And well, soundtracks, I I literally have a shelf just for CDs or Blu-rays of soundtracks (laughs) for this game because there's so many albums now and, and I'm actually still missing one, two. I'm missing two. Yeah, just constantly, constantly amazing stuff. I, I don't even, I'm not even ready for what music we're getting with Endwalker. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm ready for the Final Fantasy IV mm, references throughout yep. music. I've already heard like one, maybe. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. Give I mean, me I, I think I'm kind of generally known as a proponent of three's music, and I love the way they've used it in 14 so far, but four, I'm really... Oh, it's so good. Playing three after 14? Yay! Uh, that'd be oh. like three, like maybe twice as much as I would have otherwise. Yeah, I'm I'm very, very curious how deep they're going to go with the references to four, besides the obvious stuff we've seen. <laughs> the lunar whale mount. <laughs> the, the lunar whale, the moon, like all, there's all these things, so... And the music we've heard already, and the naming oh, ways. And the, and the naming I know they're called way, something yeah. else, but I'm going to call them naming ways. No one's going to stop. The Loppets? People nope. from calling them naming ways. There's yes. just no way. Unfortunately, they won't let you change your name for free. Aww. Okay. Anyway, let's let's do our, uh, our housekeeping outro stuff. Uh, let's see. So coming up next in a few weeks, we have our a long-awaited piano episode. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're not actually going to call it Piano Pals. Uh, if we do... If no one comes up with a better name than that, then I'll, I'll be surprised. So uh, in two weeks, we'll have the, a piano-themed episode. Um, after that, we're doing an episode right now called Press Start, which is going to be title screen music in RPGs. Um, we have a lot of interest in this one, so I, I think that's going to be a, a good episode. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not going to go all the way to the end of the year, but we do have episodes planned through most of the year now. Uh, at, so after title screen we're going to do a music on game concerts so it'll all be live versions of songs at various events and there's a lot to pick from so i'm looking forward to that i'm definitely there for that one given the amount of proportion of time i spend talking about remakes and what makes a good arrangement and stuff like that so yep exactly i'm gonna be there and how you know a good transition to taking a song from a recorded to a live format now, we might change this lineup a little bit because we've we've also been talking about the soundtracks to the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters in here. And everyone that we've been talking to on staff has been so impressed by the soundtracks for one through three. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking by the time all six are out somewhere in the fall, hopefully, is the plan. 
we're probably going to do an episode of that in the middle of this, but we'll find out. We don't have a date for that, but if you haven't heard those Pixel Remaster soundtracks, um, I don't. I still don't think they're available, like officially. I think you can like get them on YouTube, but you can't mm. buy them, or they're not on any Square services. But they need to be. I hope there's a collection or something planned because mm-hmm. there are some amazing arrangements in there. So that'll be an episode somewhere. We just don't know what date yet. But yeah, uh, good stuff in the works. I'm looking forward to all of it. I hope everyone else is too. Um, if you have feedback on this, if you have topic ideas, you know, please feel free to email us at music at rpgfan.com. I don't know why I tell people about the track list, because if you're listening in a podcast app, you know it's there, but I'm telling you anyway. Um, so on rpgfan.com, we have a post with this episode that has a track list, places you can stream, places you can buy, links to our reviews for any albums we've reviewed. Um, so that'll be on the site post and also in your podcast show notes, along with a few uh, links that we talked about earlier. Um, actually, one thing I didn't mention during the last couple songs there is that there's a lyric site that I stumbled across earlier this year. And it's it's an unofficial site, so it's, you know, take what you will out of it. But I was looking at the lyrics to To the Edge and Tomorrow and Tomorrow on there. And it's a site that lets people, like, put comments on on lyrics and it's you know it's kind of theory and it's not none of its official like commentary on the lyrics but it is i got some interesting insights out of it and some perspectives i hadn't considered so i included those in the notes too just because it's kind of interesting reading if you really want to dig into some of these songs so then again show if you want to contact the show that's music at rpgfan.com if you want to contact me, uh, the best way is also email at mike at rpgfan.com. Uh, Alana, what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, Twitter. So come follow me at Alana Hagues on there, or you can come to the RPG Fan Discord, and I am Alana there. Okay. And Hillary? Uh, the best way to reach me would be Discord as well, and I'm EP Fire there. And Zach? The best way to reach me is probably email uh, ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. All right. So along with Rhythm Encounter, um, I also have to mention that you should check out all of our other uh, podcasts and shows. So we also have our general gaming show, Random Encounter, and then our also somewhat general, but also retro uh, podcast, Retro Encounter. So Retro Encounter is a weekly show. Random Encounter is bi-weekly, like our show. But I, I definitely recommend all of them because I, I'm really proud of all our podcast people. We always put, They always put out such good stuff at a consistent pace so definitely give them a listen um and then lastly we have phoenix edge which is our partner podcast um they're they're a youtube based show so it's it's video based um and they also always talk about you know current goings on with rpgs so they always also have some good insight so check them out as well if you did enjoy this show make sure to like subscribe or follow and whatever it is you can do in your podcast app um ratings reviews and subscriptions all help us very much so if you feel so inclined we would appreciate that um so that's about it um except for our bonus track which i used to say like i don't like claiming it for myself because i'm the host but i think i've done it two or three times now so i probably should stop but all of you encouraged me to pick one. So yep, that's true. It should be you. You've been playing this game way longer than the rest of us. You said you wanted to do it. And you are you know more about Final Fantasy before music than well, thank you for anybody that. else, I would say. So yeah. Um we don't need to listen to it live, but I, I did send you guys a link just now. So what I wanted to close with was uh to keep up our theme of Stormblood and 
Shadowbringers is Parting Ways from Stormblood. Ooh. It's a really short song, and it's used in some very, very uh, emotionally impactful scenes in Stormblood, but it's so, so beautiful. I love it. It's one of my favorite songs from Stormblood. Yeah. I thought it was also a good way of closing out the episode, even though we already had a song that closed out the episode. Uh, appropriate. I mean, the title, it's in the title, Appropriate Closing Song. It is. But, you know, we're an RPG podcast. Like, so many RPGs have more than one ending. So here's our second ending song. Um, so, yeah. So please enjoy Parting Ways. And we will be back in a couple of weeks. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much, all three of you, for being here. This thanks was for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Well, we'll see everyone later and enjoy Parting Ways. Bye. 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 When the bass drops, Alana gets funky.